Welcome to Big Ben and KWIN on NoFilter.net. We broadcast live every week on NoFilter. If you ever miss us live, you can always go back to our vault. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Pandora, iHeart, and more. I'm KWIN. He's Big Ben. And he's Bill Rabinowitz. You know Bill. He's the Ohio State beat writer for the Dispatch. He's been on the show in the past. Welcome back, Bill. Nice to be with you. Welcome, welcome to, to uh, it's a br- it's a brand new world, isn't it? It is. <laughs> so the last time we spoke, a lot has changed and a lot has stayed the same. If you go back, we were actually talking to you before the Ducks were going to fly out and play the Buckeyes in Eugene, and we had a little bet where you were going to play the Ducks national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't remember that, but that's okay. No, we had a little joke because you were you were a, a guitarist, and we saw a guitar in the background. So I you see. didn't you did not officially agree to that bet. Yeah, uh, so don't worry, you don't have to play, play anything. Yeah, I wish I could have gone. I mean, that was that was a road trip I was looking forward to. So I have to start off the show with: Were you surprised by the news UCLA and USC announced that they were going to join the Big Ten in a couple of years? No, I fully expected it. Uh, of course, <laughs> I, I, I was stunned. Honestly, uh, I got a, a text from my my editor, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> now I know Martin Jarmond, and I know people with the Big Ten, and you know I tried to get a hold of them, and you know nothing. They were all, you know, obviously staying radio silent. And, I mean, then I thought about it a little bit. Okay, it makes sense. Now, I'm not an expert on the Pac-12 and the dynamics there, but I did know enough to know that they're locked into this pretty bad media rights deal. And, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. What I assumed, though, was that they were kind of working together, USC and UCLA, and everything that I've heard from them directly and, um, is that they weren't um, just kind of working parallel paths, parallel tracks. That's what I was told. I'm not sure I fully believe it, but <laughs> you know, it, it, it's probably going to get messy, messy legally. I would guess. I mean, I would assume that there'll be lawsuits and all that stuff, breach of contract. I mean, who knows? I don't. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think it's going to be an amicable part. And you, you guys probably would know better than I than I do. But look, for USC and UCLA, it makes some sense. And for the Big Ten, it makes some sense in the sense that if they if those schools go to you and say, we want to join you, how do you say no to those yeah. schools? You know, th- that history, that media market. I mean, how do you say no? Now, the travel thing is a big issue, but it's a bigger issue for UCLA and USC than it is for the Big Ten schools. It's one trip a year for the Big Ten schools. The USC and UCLA have to fly halfway across the country for every road game. But if they're willing to do it, and you're the Big Ten. I mean, how do you turn it down? Because you know, if you say if you say no, they're going to go somewhere else. Do you want them going yeah. to the to the Big Twelve? Or do you want them going to the you know the SEC? Do you want them going to the ACC? I mean, you don't want them doing that. Not at all. And Big Ben and I talked about this once the news broke. It's it's all about TV money and the money that you can get and you can pay your member schools. And the Pac-12, there's like a $20 million-plus gap between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and the SEC. So L.A., the second biggest media market in the U.S., it really was a no-brainer. They, they had to do it. And UCLA had all kinds of money issues, and they lost, I think, $62 million. And they were, they were the red $62 million uh, in the pandemic year. And even before that, when, when times were, you know, quote-unquote, good. They were in, in the hole, 18 million, 20 million, whatever it was a year. And so if you want to have run an athletic program with as many sports as they want to have and successfully, you got to find the money somewhere. And there's there's a little, you know, there's the jackpot right there, the Big Ten. The Big Ten, they hit it right because they're renegotiating their media exactly. rights deal right now. So they're probably coming into that room with their chest up and be like, you know what price? Your price just went up. And I read somewhere where before UCLA and the USC news broke, they're talking about a billion dollars. Now I heard it's gone up at least 25%, which is crazy. Well, you think about what those schools bring. I mean, think about what an Ohio State-USC football game is going to bring. I mean, the, the appeal that will have. 
And, and you, I mean, just it's a great game. Look, they played in the past, and, and not just in the Rose Bowl, but they've had non-conference series. And those were huge games. And so, you know, UCLA brings a lot to the table, too. They haven't been as good in football, generally speaking. I mean, they've had their moments, but you know, not, not as consistent a program as USC. Although USC has certainly gone, they've had, it's peak, it's yeah. peace of famine with them. I mean, it's, you know, you'd think that, that that program, USC, with the recruiting base that they have, would be great every year. And again, I don't pretend to know what what the problem is, but they're they're bigger peaks and valleys, and I think there should be with USC. But now they think they got the coach that they should have, and they should be rolling. Well, Ben and I are uh, experts in our own minds, but the the gap that we see is if you turn on the TV, you're seeing the Big Ten and the SEC play in all these big games, and if you're a recruit and you want to play, you want to go to those schools because that trickles over to the NFL draft where you have all these players get drafted in the first and second round from the big 12 and the sec on the flip side, no one watches the PAC 12 games. Like they're on way too late. Even the people on the West coast don't watch them. So I think they were missing out on recruits, missing out on TV money. And in my humble opinion, that's why they decided to make. Yeah, this was clearly about money. I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. They can talk all they want about academics and all that. And look, those are two good schools, two great schools academically. And the Big Ten is is certainly on a higher level academic than the SEC. Um, but this was not about academics. That might be an ancillary benefit. But that's not, you know, UCLA didn't come to Ohio State and, and the Big Ten and say, you know, we really like your chemistry program. <laughs> Hey, Bill, on, on money, let's stick on money since I don't know if you would necessarily agree with me here, but I think Ohio State was one of the first universities and even the football program to try out do a little name, image, and likeliness in selling their stuff for money. At that time, wasn't allowed, but now you see NIL. <laughs> I get now, you. Third, I, here you go. Third, <laughs> it's not. I would say Ed O'Bannon and Terrell Pyre are very much one and the same when we talk yeah. about this. So, where I'm going here is Ryan Day recently published, or there was an article published by The Athletic that Ryan Day said he needs $13 million in order to keep the Ohio State roster intact. Yeah. What are you personally seeing, hearing in and around a program, and how much is NIL impacting a program like Ohio State, which is one of the, probably the top two, three in the country. Yeah. Well, a couple of things first. Um, it actually was Cleveland.com that broke that story. And it's not, that's, you know, okay. they're rivals, so I'll give credit where credit's due. Um, and, you know, I, that you mentioned the Terrell Pryor thing, the tattoo and the memorabilia thing. I did a couple stories about that in, in the last couple of years. Well, actually, last year, and maybe I forget. Uh, anyway, I talked to those players, except for Pryor. I couldn't get old him, but I talked to the other five. And the best quote that I got was from Boom Heron, the running back involved in that. And I said, you know, what you did was was scandalous back then, and now it's you know accepted. He goes, scandal is the new normal. And I thought, <laughs> is that the best quote? That's great. Scandal is the new that normal. Is. Uh, you know, look, Ohio State, I mean, do I know the number? No, I don't know that 13 million is the correct number. I don't know if there is such a thing as a correct number. But Ohio State is not going to be left behind. And they may not be, if you were to give them truth serum and say, do you like this? Are you comfortable with this? The answer is probably no. But this is the way the game is going to be played from now on. And you either get with the program or you get left behind. And Ohio State is not going to get left behind. Now, you cannot give the money directly to players. It can't be done by Ohio State. But there can be a third party that essentially arranges this stuff. It, it is it is the wild, wild west. That's what Gene Smith described it to me as. And, and they really wanted and still want there to be some kind of national legislation for Congress to get involved or, or you know, whatever version of the NCAA emerges to police this. Because right now you have 50 states and 50 different standards. And one state could say, you know what, you can do anything. Another state may say, look, we want to have some standards here and we're going to limit it. Well, the football program, the football coach from that program is going to go, wait, you, you know, I got no chance. On the other hand, I don't know that you, if you're a school, 
want to recruit players whose sole reason for being there is NIL. Look, if you're an Ohio State player, you know the best path to getting NIL money is to do well on the field and, and to have your team win. If Ohio State goes five and seven this year, which is not going to happen, but if Ohio State goes five and seven, CJ Stroud is not going to get what you know he expected, and, and other players are not going to get what they expected uh, down the road. And so, you know, it's a it's a very tricky situation because you have to be aware that that's a factor, but you don't want it to be the number one factor if you're recruiting kids. If that's their number one motivation, what can I get? You know, Ohio State had Quinn Ewers. And he came to Ohio State so he could make a million plus from endorsements. He did, and they left. So I don't know that they want to go through an experience like that again. Hey, Bill, you're almost hinting at, and this has been said by some of the coaches too, is I don't, maybe it was even Saban who said it, that it should be the dictated on your performance. Do you see a proper way in which NIL recruiting football programs can coexist? Well, it really, it's not supposed to be. You can't have it based on performance. You can't have, like, incentive clauses. Again, this is on paper. Who knows how it will actually work in practice? I mean, how do you, how do you say, how do you monitor, uh, you know, a car dealership that says after Travion Henderson runs for four touchdowns, you know, I'm going to upgrade you from the Malibu to the Mercedes. You know, I mean, <laughs> you may be driving a Mercedes anyway. I don't know. That's but, a good clause in the in the program. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I and if he so fumbles the, it three times, he's got to get an electronic bike. <laughs> yeah, get the pinto. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy, and I'm, honestly, I mean, I I don't handle most of our nil coverage. My beat partner Joey Kaufman does. Um, I've got a bit of a conflict with it, which I don't really want to get into. But there's nothing wrong. Just just the way it works out. And so Joey um, is doing it and, you know, is doing a great job with it. But it's um, it's just so complicated. It really is. There's so many issues with it. Um, and I try to, I'm glad that I don't really or really can't deal with that. I just want to cover a football team. You know, that's what I want to cover. I, I don't really care what these guys make. The, if they want to make a million dollars, that's whatever. Fine with me. But I want to cover the Ohio State football team. I don't want to cover – how much they're making doing this or that. So if we talk about the Ohio State football team and C.J. Stroud, who is from California, but I'm decided aware. to go out and play for the Buckeyes, <laughs> uh, looking at last year and looking up this year, what do you want to see on – what do you want to see from him in terms of improvements or taking that next step forward? Yeah, I mean, it really is hard to, you know, look at him and go – he really needs to improve that. I mean, he played so well last year. He can make every throw. He seems to be a level-headed guy. I mean, I'm not going to say that I know him all that well, but I've been around him enough and talked to him enough to get a sense of him. And I think he's highly thought of, highly respected on the team for his work ethic and just the kind of person he is. Um, yeah, I think the one thing in terms of football where he can improve is he could be a better runner or a more willing runner. I think he, I think he's capable of it. You know, he's much more Dwayne Haskins than Justin Fields. Now, both of those guys were, were past-first guys, but Justin Fields, if if there wasn't anything open and there was a crack, he would go. Uh, I don't think Stroud is as good a runner as, as Justin Fields. Justin Fields had amazing speed. But I also think Stroud is a better runner than Dwayne Haskins was, and that there are times when it's third and eight, that if he can run for the first down, run for 10 yards, just go do it. Um, he took some sacks last year because he was weighed in the pocket too long. But look, he had never thrown a pass in a college game until last year. You know, he didn't play at all in 2020. Um, he didn't really get much practice time because that was such a crazy year with COVID. And that, that's one of the kind of un, underreported things is how much development was lost from not having a full season that year. Um, so he was playing catch up and he, and he played great. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it, you're nitpicking if you start kind of going through his flaws, he can make every throw. He doesn't get flustered in the pocket. Um, the running is the one thing where I think he can improve. Just, just take it if it's there. And sometimes he was, it was so clear that he just did not want to run last year. We had those great wide receivers, so I don't blame him for sitting back in the pocket. If you, Ask Chris Carter, he probably calls Ohio State wide receiver you. 
um, but you lost a couple to the NFL um, this past year. What wide receivers do you think need to step up or who should we expect to receive more of this coming year? Yeah, it's amazing you could lose two pretty high first-round draft picks and Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson and think, yeah, they're fine. Um, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba, ran, you know, the Rose Bowl is what people remember. He, he had 1,600 receiving yards last year, uh, 347, I think it was, in that game. Um, he's so he's so polished. He's such a great route runner, so slippery. Um, so he's going to be their their number one guy. And you have Marvin Harrison Jr., son of a Hall of Famer, who who's just – they raved about him last year, and we just didn't get to see him a lot. He just didn't play a lot because they had the other guys. But when he got his chance in the Rose Bowl, he got three touchdown passes. In, a, in any other game, a, a first-time starter catching three touchdown passes in the Rose Bowl is a big story. You know, it got completely overshadowed by what Jackson Smith and Jigba did. You have Emeka Egbuka uh, from the Seattle area, who's a five-star guy, and he showed a lot of flashes last year when he got his chances. Julian Fleming, who was, he was the number one receiver in his class a couple years ago, he's really been slowed by injuries. He's, he's supposedly healthy. Uh, I mean, you have a you know a bunch of those. Cam Babb is a guy from St. Louis who's had four ACLs, four Ooh. ACLs. Ooh. He hasn't really played since 2017, um, yeah. and they're hopeful that this year he was a captain last year. They thought so highly of him, such an inspirational guy that they made him a captain, even though he wasn't going to play. Well, he's healthy, you know, hopefully healthy, and you know we'll see what he can do. So they're loaded, and then you have Travion Henderson in the backfield. You have an offensive line that should be very, very good. You know, on offense, the big question mark is probably tight end. If that's the big question mark on your offense, you're you're you know pretty happy. The defense is the big question, though. I'm sure you're going to ask me about that. <laughs> Bill, I'm going to actually omit you from having to talk about the defense unless Kyle wants to come back there because I want to talk about your bookend games in your schedule. You can't get in the door of Ohio State Stadium for less than two hundred twenty-five dollars for that first game against Notre Dame. I did not know that. I get in for free, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're how's, the food? how's the food in the media? Do they treat you pretty oh, well? Oh, okay. Everyone talks about press box. Press box food. Press box food generally sucks. It's just Do you, you bring know. Your own? Uh, usually not. No, usually. I mean, sometimes if I have leftovers, I think it'll be better than what they're going to have. I might, <laughs> but no, I, yeah, I eat it. But, you know, I mean, I'm great. Look, I'm grateful for whatever they give us. They don't have to give us anything. Um, but no, I press box food. I get that question all the time. It's like, it's like hot dogs and stuff. that's like at a concession stand. I mean, sometimes there's right. some programs that are good. I mean, you know, go to Dallas, go to the Jerry Jones's uh, place. They they <laughs> do you right. All right. Well, Notre Dame uh, coming off a good season as well. It's kind of one of those litmus tests for each team. How do you see this? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you. How do you see the game playing out? How confident are you in a win? And then we'll get into the last game of the season. So first, Notre Dame. Um, you know, I haven't, like, started digging deep into Notre Dame. I mean, obviously, they, they had a, a good season last year, great season. Marcus Freeman's their new coach. Um, it's going to be the biggest home opener for Ohio State in a long time. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's there's a lot of buzz already about this. The Ohio State's players were talking in the spring how everything was kind of ramped up a little bit more than it would be in the spring because they know the, the countdown's already on for Notre Dame. So, yeah, I mean, Marcus Freeman being an Ohio State grad, and, you know, he said some things that were really, I mean, there's really much to do about nothing, honestly. They were, it was misinterpreted and, you know, but whatever. Fans will be fans, and they'll they'll glom onto something and then make it bigger than it is. But um, it's it's a huge game, and I think Ohio State should win, but if they, you know, it's first game. So first games, I don't care whether it's a veteran team or not. Those are always kind of shaky. You just never know what you're going to get because they're a first-time starters. You there's no preseason in college, you know, unlike the NFL. Mm -hmm. So there'll be a lot of nerves. I, I think all of that should favor Ohio State, honestly, because they're playing at home. But last year, you know, when Oregon came in the second game, I thought Ohio State would win that game. And Oregon, you know, pretty much dominated them. So Ohio State's got a lot to prove. Uh, they lose that game and then went out. Do you still have a chance at the college football playoff? It all depends on what else happens around the country. You know, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Everything's that's, 
everything's relative. If they, I mean, they've shown, I mean, last year, if they had beaten Michigan, they would have made it. So I think, generally speaking, a Big Ten champion can get away with a loss. Um, and in very rare cases, have a have a case with two losses, but you don't want to go down that route. I mean, that's that that's never happened, a two-loss team. But Ohio State's got a really tough schedule. I mean, you have Notre Dame, you have Wisconsin, you have Iowa, you have Penn State, you have Michigan State, and then Michigan. I mean, it's you got some tough games there. Yeah, and Michigan, that last game, is Harbaugh going to go streaking and win two in a row against Day? <laughs> uh, I mean, if you were to ask me, my, I, I, I doubt it. But I also thought that Ohio State would beat them last year. And kind of like the Oregon game, I mean, Michigan deserved that game. There are a lot of factors that Ohio State will point to, and some are legitimate. Um, but, look, that was not a close game. I mean, it, Michigan deserved to win that game. Michigan dominated, especially in the trenches, which Ohio State, that was, that was stunning. That Michigan basically beat up on Ohio State. Um, you know, the weather certainly played a role. It was really tough. I mean, Ohio State's a passing team. I mean, that's what, what they generally were last year. And that was tough to do a whole lot with that snow. But um, the other thing is that Ohio State had gone 10 years without losing to them. And I don't care how much you talk about this is our rival, you never take it for granted. When nobody in the building has lost to that team, you can't help but have some sense of complacency or just the expectation you're going to win. Now they've got that hunger. Where they want that revenge. I mean, if you lose two, if you lose one, you could say, eh, it was an aberration. It was a fluky thing. They they got us on a, you know, they played great. We played badly. You lose two in a row, especially the second one at home, then you got a crisis on your hands. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I think Ohio State, as of now, you're asking me in July, you know, is Ohio State favored to win that game? Yeah, they should be, but a lot can change between now and then. I think the Huskies. What, what was the term you lose? If you lose two in a row, it's a crisis. There's going to be a crisis in Seattle at the end of this year because Cougs are going to beat the Huskies again, too. So I, I'm, I'm going to use your term, so crisis in Seattle. <laughs> okay. okay. Can I trademark that? <laughs> you can. No, trademark the other one. What was it? Oh, scandal in normal. <laughs> I can't even you know. It's not, it wasn't even my quote. That's the thing. It wasn't even my quote. I did laugh a lot, though. <laughs> so, Bill, we usually do a, a West Coast swing with our guests. We go up and down the West Coast and we ask questions. But since you are in Ohio, we're just going to do a Buckeye true or false. So there's no <laughs> right or wrong. It's just okay. true or false based okay. on scenarios out in the distant future. All right. So I'll go first and we'll kind of go every other. C.J. Stroud will be the number one QB taken in next year's NFL draft. Well, it's him or Bryce Williams, whoever has the better year. So do I have to say true? I'll say true just for the sake of it. But, you know, it's, I think it's one of those two. Okay. Ohio State will have three first-round draft picks in next year's draft. True. They will have Stroud as a lock, Smith and Jigba as a lock, and I think uh, Paris Johnson is, I don't say he's a lock, the left tackle. He's moving from right guard to left tackle this year, which is his natural position. Uh, yeah, and then there could be others. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, Zach Harrison has that kind of ability, defensive end. Ronnie Hickman's safety's really good. Um, you know, I could, I could probably, if I had more time, think of some more. But, yeah, I think three is certainly realistic. Ryan Day will be a head coach in the NFL by 2025. Uh, false. False. I, I, um, do I think there would be interest in him? Yes. Look, he's got three kids that are school age. I don't think he's eager to move. He's got, he got a, a raise now. He's making mar a market value contract. He's got a market value contract. I don't think he's itching to leave. If things go sour, you know, he loses to Michigan a couple more times, then it might not be his choice. But, <laughs> no, I, th I think he's, first of all, I don't think that's going to happen. But, but look, you lose to Michigan, you become John Cooper. That's, that's a problem. Um, but, you know, I think he's basically happy here, you know. And so if he didn't have kids and the family and all this, yeah, he might 
he might be tempted to leave. But I think that he, like most coaches, came up through the ranks, bouncing around from place to place to place almost every year. And stability is, is a nice thing to have. And that's, that's why I think he would stay. Okay. And Michigan statement is Michigan is the second best team in the Big Ten headed into the season. The Big 16. That's true. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Okay. The Big Ten will add two more teams before the 2024-25 season. Ooh. <laughs> two more. I would say false because, I mean, they would love to have Notre Dame, but that's only one. Um, I think that Oregon and Washington would probably be very interested. Um, but I don't know that the Big Ten's clamoring to have them. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I have no inside information on that. That's just my sense of it. Uh, you know, I think if you're talking about academics, I mean, I think Cal and, and Stanford would be great additions. I mean, Stanford's got a great overall athletic program. I mean, football comes and goes, and Cal's football program obviously had its problems. But those are great academic schools. The Big Ten, if the Pac-12 falls apart, like completely falls apart, and those all those schools become free agents, well, first of all, if, if all that happens, I think conferences will, in a way, become irrelevant, right? I mean, yeah. if you have... It's essentially I said this on a radio show the other day. It'll become like the NFL. You have the AFC and the NFC. Yeah. It'll just become who who makes the playoff. Who cares? You know who wins the the conference. I mean, it's, it's so unwieldy that it doesn't matter because you're gonna have multiple schools from each conference if you if you got two schools or two conferences. Anyway, long winded answer. Um, I like the AFC and the NFC. No, we we can come up with a better name than that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then the the Cougs will play in the uh, USFL, just below that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, um, Ryan Day will be will win a national championship in the next three years. True or false? It's tough to do it, but I would say true because Ooh. they're in it. They're in it in the conversation almost every year. Right. And I mean, Alabama is a great program. Georgia is clearly a great program. You know, Clemson, we'll see if they can maintain it with some of the things they've gone through. But when you're in the mix every year and this year, there's no reason they couldn't win. I'm not saying they're going to or should. It's just really hard to do. I mean, obviously, he's one champion, but yeah. it's been it's been eight years. Um, they're always in the mix. You know, if you're giving me a three-year window, if you were to say like a two-year window, I'd probably say no. Three years, yeah, you know, maybe 55% chance that it happens. The next time you talk to Ryan Day, Bill, tell him he needs more gray in his beard to look really respectable yes, and actually I'm, win a national. I've joked <laughs> with him. I tell him, you know, it's just That's his limiting factor. Yeah, yeah, and I've told him that, you know, where's the gray? He said they're there. Um, now I'm... I think 15 years older than he is, and and mine, I certainly have them, but they're hidden pretty well because I have brown hair. So, you know, if I'm 15 years older and, and people still think I'm not that gray, then, you know, who am I to tell Ryan Day that he's, he's you know, too youthful looking? That's, yeah. He gets a national championship before he gets gray. So how about that? We'll, we'll make that the <laughs> Probably at the same time. <laughs> or if he doesn't, <laughs> it'll get gray. Well, Bill, I know you're excited for the season. We're, what, about six and a half, seven weeks out? Yeah, Big Ten really Media Days are next week, yeah. Yeah, well, you're you're the spinner. You prepared? You ready to go? Uh, I will be when I have to be. That's, you know, <laughs> <Good answer>. <laughs> <laughs> like you see some of the questions, like Michigan and Notre Dame, like, I have not done, you know, my homework on them <laughs> yet. So, uh yeah, you know, when I have to be, you know, it's it's not a pop quiz. I know when the final exam is going to be, so I'll be ready. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, okay, thanks, um, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for right. jumping on. Why don't you uh, tell our listeners where they can read your stuff and follow you, and if you're working on any new exciting projects that you want to promote as well? Hmm. Um, well, my Twitter handle is br dispatch, um, and uh, the website for our paper is dispatch.com and uh i am working on a project i i've not really publicly announced it so i probably shouldn't 
but it's it's another book um, that, that did we lose him? I think his headphones picked up. Yep. You oh, got a uh, call from he got a call from call, CJ Straub. I got a call from my wife, <laughs> and I, okay. I declined it, so I'm gonna have to you know okay. for me. So you know, I might be in the doghouse. <laughs> well, Bill, when you are able to publicly talk about the new project, we'd love to have you back on to uh, hear more about it and uh, tell our listeners about it. I'd love to. I, I would appreciate that. All right. Go Buckeyes. See you, Bill. All right. Thanks wife. for coming on. Thanks for having me. You're more important than us. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, Princess. Good, I just finished the podcast. <laughs> yeah. All right, good.
love you, Ollie Belly.
testimony here. I'm in here. garage door go off she just was laying with me and she got up and ran over. Oh, I'm still kind of in a wet suit but I have a cover. Mommy's help Ellie. Hi Kelly. Hi. Hello my girl. Hi my girl. Hi my Gordy. Hi. You got Chloe on there. You got Chloe. Daddy was such a good daddy to you always good. He always is. I mean, took a nice walk. I had to do walk too, but not with you, Gurdus. I lay on the floor of the family where they fell asleep. Aww. Daddy's working hard, isn't he, girl? Yeah, hello. Hello, my girl. Hello, hello. Okay, where are Did you um, print out any of those obituaries I sent you? No, I didn't see Okay. A couple days ago. Like three, three or four days ago. If you can just print those before Bob gets here tomorrow at four. Okay. Hello. Clearly. Hi. Hello. Hi, my dear. My appointment is Paris, except 1045 tomorrow. What's that? My appointment is Paris, 1045 tomorrow. Your appointment, what? Paris, 1045. I didn't think you went back to back days. Yeah, a few times a week. Does he know you're related to Bob Esmont or Diane Esmont and Sarah? Why would you mention it? I mentioned Sarah. And Sarah. Hello. Hi, dear. You're smiling so much, huh, dear? My dear, you walked today. So I think that might be it. <laughs> I feel tired. Oh, I didn't do anything with the book today other than Tom Berman. When you get back. Text me, text me, say I'd prefer to, he'd prefer to get the questions and then he could write them, write the answers the way, you know, you want to have them written. Actually, you know, I don't mind that. Would he still be willing to talk to you? He said, then if you need to follow up, then we can, you know, figure out how to do that. Okay. But he's such a smart, articulate person that I'm sure that he'll do it. And I mean, it might make it easier. I don't have to transcribe anything off of Right. You know, this is not journalism. So, right. You know, there. Sometimes it seems like there might be something missing in the actual conversation. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I, think I would really push good. to talk to him after you get his answers. Well, and I think I'm pretty good. Sometimes my best interviews are my best way in. And so, I'm glad that he got back to you, though. I'm gonna need you to scratch my back. I think I got a sunburn the other day. Um, okay. Let's see. I don't have anything for you, though. Whatever day. I think Wednesday would work best for Joe. I'm going to golf with Jack on Wednesday. Okay. Nine holes, two o'clock. What time would you be done? No later than like four or four thirty. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's right. Nine holes.
Okay, that's, you know, especially as a beginner. So I'd like to have Joey over Wednesday. That would be ideal. But if you can't, then have to Thursday and do Cardell. But you can't do Cardell till you can't do Wednesday till a certain time, right? Well, unless she can. Uh, you back I didn't text her. Let me text her now and just apologize for. Hang on, hang on, girl. I have to put her in my contact. I have so my contacts in my knowledge I cannot see as well. I texted Nick, Claire, and Ian Young about Colette's son. Everybody was devastated. I didn't see an obit. Well, look for an obit. I've been looking, and I don't know that I don't know that they have the arrangements. I sent Colette a note today that just said, "I'm thinking of you." Don't no need to reply back. What? I mailed uh, somebody cards to her. One from us, and one from the workout group. Oh, she's she's sending me a text now. Actually, yeah. Who am I trying to find here? Let me add her to my Claire thinks that I should demand a refund instead of doing the training, but I feel like I already paid for it, and so make sure you get your value out of it. Okay, uh, let me put her in my. Yeah, I don't see. What's her last name? Who? It's Alec. Adams. Alec. A-L-E-C. Adams. I looked at shedding. I don't know which funeral home they would use. Um, but. Um, I just, I, you know, and the way she described, like, it was such an ordinary day, and they just had a very ordinary mom and dad, ex or mom and son exchange, you know, he wanted to know what they were doing for dinner, she told him a couple things, she was going to grill some chicken, and, um, and he said he was going down to work out, she said okay, and then she said, you know, it took me a little while, but the kitchen's right above the basement, and she said, I realized I hadn't heard the treadmill. That's probably an instantaneous thing. And then she was like, um, there's certain things on this. 
And then, you know, she said something and my heart just went cold. And she said, I just knew something was wrong. She said, and I called for, you know, I called down the steps and nothing. And, and This class, uh, Connie and I did tonight, one thing I was going to say to Colette, not right now, but later, is it might do her good to come back to the gym and maybe, you know, just... She better choose time out. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what we would do. It reminds me of, like, Julie... Um, uh, uh, oh, who was that? Julie... Her son died. Oh, yes. And well, that, yeah, plenty of time for that. Well, yes. And, but she posts a lot about, you know, grieving the loss of a, a child and, and you know, um, weird it looks like she i see the three dots like i've i, I don't know i don't know what she's well she can take from anybody you know because when you look you see three dots and go take from somebody that's weird because otherwise i would see three dots all the time for people yeah. seriously your whole phone would be nothing but people three dotting other people if you're actually on that page with them right that, that screen with them I've got to do a couple things. I have to get the house ready for Bob coming to visit tomorrow. And I also have to sit down and really make sure that I know my stuff, you know, that I, I get those obits printed and I fill in the blanks. I've been trying to fill in the blanks as much as possible, but it's not going to be a very productive hour if I'm not very prepared for them. Connie's watch said we burned 400 calories. I have a leftover steak from Saturday night, and we were all disappointed. But 